This evening's sermon text is from the 19th chapter of the Gospel of John, starting halfway through verse 16. So you go there in your Bibles. John chapter 19, starting halfway through verse 16. Let's read it together. So they took Jesus and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Uh, we continue reading about the crucifixion in John 19, beginning in verse 25. Uh, Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar of Sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Will you pray with me? Our Father, tonight... We ask as your people that we would again comprehend the immensity of what you have done for us. That our hearts would be filled with gratitude. We ask, Father, that you would speak your word to us. Give us ears to hear and then pierce our hearts that we might be changed by it. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is finished. With those words, Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. 
He suffered and died for the sins of humanity. He accomplished what he was sent to do. And Jesus' death on the cross is actually the turning point of all human history. Since the fall in the garden, God had been promising salvation through a Messiah. Back in Genesis 3, as God declared judgment for sin, he promised redemption for Adam and Eve. God said to the snake, who is Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. God promised the seed of the woman would crush and destroy once and for all sin and Satan. Jesus is God's promise fulfilled. He is the the seed of the woman, the, the heir of Abraham through whom the nations are blessed. He is the son of David who sits on the throne forever. And he is our great high priest and the true Passover lamb who takes away sin. All the promises of God are yes in him. And now everything from Calvary to eternity is part of his fulfillment. As God applies the salvation that Christ merited for us to those who believe. And he now leads us towards that new creation. Eternity, from the beginning of time to the end, from Eden to the paradise that is yet to come, hinges on how each of us relates to Jesus on the cross. Do we believe and receive eternal life? Or do we stubbornly insist on our own merit and earn hell. For those who believe, Jesus has already paid the penalty for all of our sins. The cross is cosmic and eternal in nature. It is finished affects all space and time. When Christ returns, there will be a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness will reign forever. And there will be no sin, no sorrow, and no death. On the cross, Jesus bore the the ugliness, the vileness of our sin. 
he faced the eternal weight of God's wrath as he who knew no sin became sin for us. It was a dark and horrific day. And Jesus faced it utterly alone. The the perfect love and unity that the Godhead shared from eternity past was cut off. And so Jesus was alone as the Father abandoned the Son to die on a cross, forsaken for his people. As the world and eternity were on Jesus' shoulder, he demonstrated his love for millions. But at the same time, he provided care for one. Think again about verse 26 and 27 of John 19. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. In the midst of this cosmic and eternal moment, dying for the sins of the world, as Jesus experienced sorrow and loneliness beyond our comprehension, he cared for the temporal needs of one. Jesus died to save Mary from her sins, so that she could be with him in heaven. But even as her Savior, his love for her included her present physical reality. Since uh, Luke 12, when Jesus, or Luke 2, when Jesus was 12, there's been no mention of Joseph, Mary's husband. He is presumed to be dead. As the oldest son, Jesus would have been responsible to provide proper care for his mother. Jesus' love for her did not just cover her eternal soul. He cared and provided for her suffering and her needs in in the present That's not just true for her. That's not just true for Mary, but that's true for all of us who are made part of the household of God through faith. Jesus loves you as much. His love for you is great. In fact, it's beyond measure. It is longer, higher, and deeper than you can comprehend. Think of uh, Ephesians 3.19, where Paul tells us that God wants us 
to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Too often, we think Jesus is too taken up with the big stuff to be concerned about my daily struggles. We think of a passage uh, like Colossians 1 where it says that all things were created uh, uh, in Christ and for Christ and that he is before all things and in him all things are held together. And so we tend to think Jesus is too busy keeping the stars in the sky. And in this moment, he's too worried about the the global pandemic to think about us. But Jesus is God's love in flesh. And he does care about the big picture. But he's also keenly aware of you and concerned for you. God is for you. And he is active in the very details of your life, even when you don't know it, to accomplish good for you. In Romans 8, verse 32, it says, If God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not in grace also give us all things? But I don't even know what to pray for. I don't even know what I need. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 that your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. Earlier in Romans 8, Paul tells us that the Spirit himself prays for us beyond words, according to the Father's will. God loves you. He knows your specific situation He will provide for you according to his perfect will for you. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I certainly don't know how he is going to accomplish that. He may not give you what you want. But he will provide what you need. He is your sovereign, faithful, loving, and good father who gives gifts to his children. It's easier to say that and believe it for others, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to believe that for ourself. But that doesn't make it any less true. This season, 
whatever circumstance you find yourself in is an opportunity. In fact, it's a gift from God. To grow in walking by faith and not by sight. Trusting God is for your best. If you're struggling, and I often do, acknowledge that to God. Confess your unbelief. And ask Him to increase your faith, to enable you to walk in the trust and joy that God provides. As we consider this event and Jesus' interaction with John and Mary, let me make two observations that I hope will be an encouragement to you. The first is really uh, a response to uh, an obvious objection. I can almost hear some of you say, of course Jesus cared for Mary. She's his mother. But that doesn't mean he cares and loves me the same. In this present life, we have all kinds of relationships. I'm a husband. I'm a son, I'm a brother. And those are real but temporary relationships. Susan Huber is my mother. Jenny Huber is my wife. But what is our ultimate relationship? How will we relate to each other in eternity? Forever, I will be related to Susan and Jennifer, and they will be related to me as brothers and sisters in Christ, the children of God. Relationally, we're in the same place, equally loved by God. And so that's true for Mary and the rest of us. Think of the example we see in Luke 8. Jesus' mother and brother come to him, but they can't get to Jesus because of the crowd. And so Jesus is told about it. And how does Jesus respond? In Luke 8, 21, he says, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God, and do it. Those who hear and obey God's word, those who are uh, 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 in faith, are my family. And if we're in God's family, we have a more intimate relationship than even a mother and a son. We are one in Christ and his love for us, for Mary, for Susan, for Jennifer, for Eric, is the same. 
But even more than that, the Father loves us as he loves the Son. The night before Jesus was to die, he prays for all those who would believe in him. And this is in John 17, verses 22 to 23. And he says, uh, praying to the Father, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, meaning us. That they may be one, even as you are one with me. I in them, and you in me. That they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and I loved them even as you loved me. As the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, so the Father and Son love and are concerned for you. God is never too busy, and nothing is too small for you to go to Him. In fact, He wants you to come. He wants you to acknowledge your need and dependency thanking him for his goodness and his faithfulness to you. God can never forget about you or your needs because God loves you. He showed it by Jesus coming to die for us. Think of uh, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died as a manifestation of the love of the Father for us. Think of a passage like Isaiah 49. Now, this is verses 15 and 16. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. Even these may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved your name. On the palms of my hand. The second observation is that Jesus' care and provision for Mary came while Jesus' humanity is on its greatest display. It came as he was frail and dying on a cross. And that should be an encouragement to our faith. If Jesus could provide for Mary's need in that moment of weakness and humiliation, then how much more can he provide for you and your need in his present state of power and exaltation? Jesus 
died, but was declared the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection. He is now ascended and sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And he has all authority and all dominion as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he forever intercedes on your behalf. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. And the a Holy Spirit of power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And so, you have the right, the authority, to go to the throne of grace in confidence for mercy and help in your time of need. God loves you with an everlasting love. Again, in Romans 8, verse 34 and 35, Paul says, And what can separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship? Persecution or famine? Nakedness, danger, sword? No. And then a few verses later, he says in Romans 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, not things present or things to come, not power or height or depth, nothing in creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In this time of anxiety, know that that God in Christ cares for the world. But he also cares for you personally. He knows your name. He knows your need. And he will answer your prayers according to his goodness and mercy. Let me close with uh, uh, these verses. This is from Psalm 145, verses 17 to 19. It says this, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, To all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. Will you pray with me? Our Father, uh, tonight you know each person who is watching and listening You know what circumstance they face. You know what is going on in their heart. And so we ask 
that your spirit would bring peace. That your spirit would whisper comfort. That each of your people would have an assurance that you are with them and that you care for them. Father, help us tonight. Let us look to the cross and be assured that you love us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
it was weeks before all the anxiety about COVID-19 hit that I decided uh, to speak on these two verses. And God wanted to prepare me which just demonstrates his faithfulness to me. And I believe each of us is struggling with something. Maybe it's not uh, the virus. Maybe it's your financial pressures that that's causing. Maybe it's loved ones. Maybe uh, it's something else. We live in a fallen world and we all have suffering. And sometimes it can overwhelm us. and, And there are seasons where life can feel dark and hopeless just as it did for those who watched Jesus die they thought it was the end but God had bigger plans that were beyond what they even anticipated or could imagine And so, uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever you're at today, it may feel like Friday. But for us, Sunday has already come. Jesus has died, but he has been raised. And he has won the victory over sin and death and any other issue that we face in this present world. And so he says, come to me and find rest. So tonight, receive uh, now uh, the benediction of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for coming.